Hello, everybody. Welcome to The Truth Hurts. Today, I want to talk to you guys about the gray area where most things exist as opposed to the black or white area. And I want to talk about a lot of things that are coming in the future uh, post this kind of strange year that we've had. And finally, I want to connect uh, some in some instances in the past where we were in moments like this and try to uh, track and see what happened after and we can get a good understanding of what's about to come. So first, I want to start with the gray area. I've touched this. I've touched on this topic before in other podcasts, but I want to dedicate uh, uh, almost a whole podcast to that point. And there's a reason um, here at The Truth Hurts, you know, one of the main objectives is to get people to think. I don't want you to think like me. I don't want you to be a liberal, Democrat, Republican, conservative, this. Just learn to take your life experiences and situations, kind of put them together, run your mental formula, and come up with your own uh, conclusion to things in life. So we, we want to get away from arbitrarily listening to anybody, myself included, right? So when you hear things, verify them, check multiple sources, right? Don't just check one source. Right? If you just keep going to CNN or Fox or even uh, underground news, you have to look multiple places. So in the spirit of thinking outside of the box, uh, the main reason is because what I focus on here at The Truth Hurts is those people who want you to think inside the box. And... For, for their purposes, they have reasons why they want that. And I'm not going to say what's good or bad for the system, but I will say what's good or bad for most individuals. Now, for some individuals, uh, like in the Matrix, the guy was, I forget the guy's name, he said, I want to taste the steak, right? He, he knew what the other side was. The truth does hurt. The truth is painful. The truth will make you cry. The truth will make you seem crazy. The truth will make you lose friends and family. So it's not a state for everybody. Uh, being raw, being to the point is not a state for everybody. And some people honestly prefer uh, tasting the steak, the blue pill, whatever you want to say, and don't want to know what's going on. So I understand that. But under the premise of what we stand for here at The Truth Hurts, we want to open up as many minds that may not even be privy to this line of thought, right? Because a lot of times, uh, I don't like to use the word woke, whatever, but somebody who's not woke, it's because there was maybe just not a reason for them to go on that path. I've spoken numerous times about the new, uh, the incidents that happened and the people that asked me certain questions and the the people that I met, these specific things led me to go, oh, wow, I never thought like that. Ooh, let me read this, fine. And I'm kind of all over the place of what I study and I was able to put things together. So now, we know what we're trying to achieve why do people want you to be in the black or white box? The bottom line is when you're in the black or white box, uh, you fit the, uh, you know, you fit the competitive paradigm that they try to keep us perpetually in, which is if you're tall, you don't like short people. If you're light, you don't like dark people. If you're white, you don't like black people. If you're rich, you don't like poor people. If you're educated, you don't like uh, uneducated people. If you're a driver, you don't like non-drivers. <laughs> if you don't work out, you hate the workout freaks, right? And every single red, blue, everywhere, it's everywhere. And it's all designed to keep you fighting. And that's why you can look at society and see what's going on. And in a time like now, you can see how just dropping a few little nuggets on society 
and everybody just assumes their role, right? And plays the part and, and goes out here, acts a fool. I saw a video, I forget, I think this was maybe Australia, some country. Uh, this is going on uh, Twitter a lot today and the, the gentleman's on the um, the train and he says he has some condition, whatever. It's an old cop, maybe about 60 something years old. And he's like, you have to put on a mask. The guy's like, I don't have to put on a mask. Uh, you know, I have an exemption, just leave me alone. <laughs> And it went on for about three, four minutes. And then the, the cop starts grabbing him, choking him, pulls out mace. And I'm like, wow, they just create these things out of nowhere. And it's like to, to create such an irrational event out of something that is real. But let's be real. Like I said, 99.99% chance of survival. Uh, very scary to think about what they were able to do to society and get them to comply with for such uh, a non deadly thing like because there, there there could be something and i believe that they will make something if they if it doesn't come naturally that could literally kill 5 10 15 percent of the world's population that is i think the scary part where every single you know you, you know you hear seven degrees of separation every single person you know will know one or two people that died from said event and I think that's what, and if you do the numbers on that, at just about eight, uh, you know, billion people, uh, 10% of that would be what, 800, uh, yeah, 800 million. Whew. Wow. You see those numbers? 10% of the world's population, 800 million people. Wow. And you see how now, how scary, how, and this is 10, this is 90% of the world still alive, but just 10%, roughly 800 million dead people. That is something that people would be scared. You wouldn't have to be told to be in panic. You wouldn't have to be convinced to wear a mask or whatever, because the panic would be real. The threat would be real. You know, uh, like they say all the time, this disease so deadly, you don't even know you have it, right? <laughs> So we don't want that, but uh, the point is, if anything remotely close to, to even 1%, I think people will probably shoot their neighbors at this point, because uh, just to put things in context, I think we have now uh, total cases, uh, total deaths globally, I think are like, like 700 something thousand I'm not sure and I should have got this before I usually do that but I know in America uh, for example I don't even think it's that much I, I, I think I'm way off because I know in America yeah it's not even nowhere near that I'm sorry in America we have about 175 175 thousand people now mind you uh, there's a report just came out they say it only only six percent of those cases were accurate those uh diagnoses were accurate uh, the deaths of they didn't they died of other covid uh, of other uh diseases and and uh morbid based things that they had and not only did that happen 90 percent of the rest of the six percent was old people that had pre-existing stuff so it's really very but they were able to get people to fight they were able to create these mass versus non-mass people people yelling at each other in the street 
and it's part of the polarity. And this is either you're white or you're black, right? You see them. And and what's interesting about the gray area, you would think that it's a safe area. Like you see two people, oh, all right, yeah, you're Republican, you're Democrat. And you say, no, I'm a sensible person. I actually, I think both of you guys are right on something. Oh, you're a centrist. <laughs> the people will get mad at you for not taking <laughs> one side, right? There, people will actually get mad at you for being open-minded to hear both sides out. Like, why do you think what you think, Mr. Republican man? I'll hear you out. Why do you think what you think, Mr. Uh, Democratic man? You, Mr. Uh, liberal? You, Mr. You know, some people are like that. But people will attack you because you didn't identify with something, right? You tell people, it's like telling some people you're not religious, but you respect their religion. But what do you believe in? Like, what is, I, you know, I have my own beliefs, man, but I'm a good person. <laughs> so what I'm saying is society encourages it, but the people in society that play the roles actually help enforce it so the gray area is where the truth usually lies and this is why we want to focus on the gray area in life it's the gray area that has a little bit of both right uh for example when i tell when people complain to me specifically young people about something what i usually tell every person white or black old or young is that I, I give credence and credit to whatever they feel that they're going through. Because a lot of times, they're, they're usually 80% right. So if a young black kid, oh, racism, and yep, you're right. All that's real. You're 100% right. So what are we going to do about it? <laughs> you see, because I'm not going to say, all right, oh, listen, you can't succeed. or No, that's right. You're right. People are racist. Uh, there is sy- systemic racism. Uh if a woman tells me our people are sexist, yes, people are sexist. All of these things are true, but what are we going to do about it? Because once we think about what we're going to do about it, we go to the gray area. We say, all right, they're trying to make this black or white. Either I'm in or I'm out. But hmm, what? how can maybe I get one foot in, leave one foot out to build my own thing, right? So maybe I can't do this, but I can get a job. And even if I don't become a full-time entrepreneur, I can... Uh, work on six to seven things of passive income. I can uh, loan money to peer-to-peer lending. I can crowd uh, fund real estate. I can go high dividend paying stocks, right? It's just a mixture of things that you can do to kind of get to that gray area. So what is so special about the gray area? The gray area, like I said, it stops the polarity and it enables you to deal with any individual. Uh, not any individual, obviously, but, you know, any a sane, rational individual. And even if they're a little off, you can probably still deal with them because you're looking for commonalities. You're looking for sense. Right. It's like if you looked at 10 uh, data sets and you're just trying to find correlations, you're trying to find things that are consistent with everything. That is the line of thought that they don't want human beings to have, because think about what I just said to uh, replace data sets with human beings. So instead of just, you know, what, what, at, after you analyze 10 of them. Instead of focusing on something or or things that were different in all 10, the gray area would say, hey, what did all 10 people share in common or, or, or were similar? Maybe it was the desire to have a, 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 a cold beverage after a meal. Maybe it was the fact that they all love their parents. Maybe it was anything. And, it's, and, and when you have this, what do you have? Commonalities. What are commonalities going to bring? Unity, right? Understanding breaking those barriers of the things that are different with people, right? 
And then you have a chance, a remote chance to actually get somewhere by dealing with the gray area. I spoke to 10 people. I didn't uh, start a conversation once I spoke to all 10 of them about things that are different. They all mentioned that they were here at this seminar for passion. And uh, because of that, I started my conversation on passion because this resonated with each individual. And then they all started talking and then it was a good group session. That's the power of the gray area. It's a unifying space once it can be executed. So guys, that's the first part. I just want to break down the point. Real, I just wanted to break down the point rather real quick of the black, the white, and the gray. And most people in society, uh, they're going to take a position on the black or the white, and they're going to want you to take a position. So not only are they going to take a, a position, they're going to want to know, what do you feel about Black Lives Matter? Oh, I think it's good and bad. What do you think about Trump? I think he's good and bad. You can't say things like this <laughs> and expect people not to react. That's all I'm saying. If that's how you feel, that's how you feel. But you have people are going to want you. And listen, I'm not saying you shouldn't have conviction. But on a lot of things, it's just not that simple. You know, uh, when people make those broad, gross statements, like, it's usually wrong. All Mexicans are... All fat people are all. It's just it's it rarely if ever true. It just things don't work like that. All beautiful women are no. It just doesn't work like that. So um, that's the first part, the gray area. The second thing that I want to talk about and why this gray area is so important in the times we live in is uh, the times we live in. Uh, if you've heard my podcast before, hopefully you've heard the stories on a few podcasts. I've told this story of my missed opportunities and what got me into software development, algorithmic trading, computers, programming, and all of this stuff. The main thing was between 1999 and let's say 2013, 14, I had missed maybe four to six uh, wealth opportunities. And I started to learn as a regular, I wasn't born into wealth. So I started to learn how I could come up, you know, without a 40 year job plan. And the first one was the dot-com era in two, excuse me, 1999, 2000, I was in college and I was getting like $25,000 in credit cards. They just kept getting credit, $10,000, discover everything. And I didn't invest in the stock market where literally forget skills at that time. It was just one of those times for about uh, almost a year's time. Just everything was just going up and you could have got in, made a ton of money and got out. But I just didn't know about the game. So I missed that opportunity. Uh, a few years later, uh, 2003, 2004, maybe five, my friend owned, that I went to high school with owns a store. And we were talking one day like about how he got the startup money. He was like, yeah, he was doing this thing called loan origination. And he was a loan originator for uh, the housing crisis, right? He was the first line of defense, not first line of defense, but the first action person that would uh, initiate the loans for the for the borrowers. And he would sell them to IG, you know how that goes, and they get 15, 20, 30,000, whatever the breakdown is. So that was the second one. I was like, hmm, all right, so real estate, stocks, right? Third was 2008 when I got into the stock market. When all of those stocks went down, I had bought serious, I bought all these things that in the next few years shot up. I could have had another few hundred thousand. I just missed that again, but I realized you had to be positioned. I started learning about the stock market. And then finally, and there's a couple more, but the main thing was 2011, 2012 was Bitcoin. I was tweeting about it. I saw the power in it, but I didn't buy a lot of it when it was cheap. So learning how, you know, life worked in terms of like finance and opportunities to increase your net worth. Uh, 
I started to look at like what was happening in the world connected to these things. So let's break down those four events real quick. In 1999, what did you have? You had the technology.com era, right? So you had all of these technology and 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 websites, right? It was that as well, .com. It was all of that new wave from the internet, right? That started five, 10 years before, right? And I want, if you can go five, 10 years before that, 95, 90, whoever's old enough, or just think about it, even if you've done the research, if you go back to that time when the internet came out, people like myself, some people were on it, but it wasn't just a household name right from the beginning. And when the people initially, and I'm not going back to the ARPANET, or I'm talking about just the World Wide Web, and he's actually not the first person to come up with that, but that's a whole nother story for another day. But the guy that made it famous, I forget his name, World Wide Web, comes out. Now people start using this. Few people used it, but it was nothing like it is today. So the point is, in 94, you would have had to have seen the power in the internet in the first year. Even in 97, it's you know, you could argue that you still had to see the power to really believe. Some people probably believe, but it wasn't really until 99 that, you know, people started to, you know, th that the boom started to happen. But the point is you have a new technology with potential to do something groundbreaking that people are saying is going to do something groundbreaking. And if you thought about it at the time, you could probably envision some of the capabilities, right, of the internet and what this could do in terms of communication, grouping people like a online walkie-talkie, place to share stuff, right? But you may or may not have seen the power in it to invest in it big. What was the second thing I mentioned? Housing, right? Real estate is always a big thing. Got to follow that market and get in when it's cheap, right? That's a, a, a thing that's going to always go up and down, right? Then you had the, the, the stock market crisis, right? And that was based off what? All of this credit cycle that we're in, right? We're in a basically a debt vortex with derivatives, right? And all these leverage and all that stuff. So you learn about that. And then finally, Bitcoin. Bitcoin dealing with the blockchain technology, which is part of what I'm going to talk to you guys today with the DeFi space and all of that's going on with the decentralization. So I say all of that to just kind of take you back to those times of how these things blew up, right? So Bitcoin coming after the financial crisis, it made sense for the time, right? The housing uh, loan origination thing when the, all the prices were going up made sense for the time, right? Investing in the stock market 2008 when everything was cheap made sense for the time. So all of these things usually had to deal with something that was coming in a few years or something that was birthed a few years prior. And then that's how you have to think when you're living in the present. And with all of this madness going on and there's some treachery that's coming to this planet from these people, especially probably next year, they're probably going to do something very heinous and horrific. Um, but with all of this coming, there's also a lot of good. And the good is all new systems and people's just ingenuity and intelligence and I think frustration is leading people to create more tools that are so useful and we're creating the tools and systems that will break this system down. I've said this on this podcast a lot of times about Uber and why I think it has so many use cases to give examples of different things in business and life, right? But one main thing that I always mention with Uber is that when they came in, they didn't say, they didn't go to all the legislators and, and politicians and say, hey, you know, we want to do this and try to convince them first. No, they just opened up, said, we'll deal with the courts for a few months, a couple years, and then we're just going to 
we're just going to create critical mass until this becomes so big they got to deal with us. And that's exactly what they did. So the point is you build it and then they will come. You build it to get rid of these other things. You're not going to talk oil drillers out of stopping oil. You're not going to talk cigarette people out of making cigarettes. You're not going to talk anybody out of there. You're not going to talk the Fed out of their uh, their money scam, the Treasury, none of that. It's not going to happen. But what you can do is create viable alternatives that change consumer and, and just regular people's behaviors. And that's the world that is being shaped right now. So without getting too techie, because you don't have to be super techie to get into this world, but you have to take a look. So in 94, 95, everybody wasn't looking at the internet. And even if you were, maybe you went on AOL Messenger, you did a couple silly things. You weren't, only the, the, the hardcore geeks were, were, were going to the depths of programming and you know doing even things like AI at that time and trying to see the capabilities of the computer and software and building hardware and, 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 and trying to advance computer speed and technology. Those are the geeks that are really into it. And you had a, another brass of people, set of people that were probably a little bit more sophisticated, but for the most part, you had to be into it to, to, to kind of see the vision. Now, with everything that's going on since that time, and we know that technology is the is like almost the root of our society, you can say, you can kind of see these things happen and go away faster, and you're living in one of those times now. So if you, a few years ago, were looking at Bitcoin, what does that tell you? You should have just been looking at Bitcoin when it first came out. And if you were going to make a play, you should have made that play in the first three years. The people that made the play from, you know, 2010 to 13, those are the guys who got really rich. They got rich. Other guys got rich in 14, 15 too, but those guys got super rich because they took the chance when it was at $10, $20, $5, $1, right? And they saw the vision. They believed in it because they saw where the world was going. So now when you think about Bitcoin and you think about how it survived all of these, um, you know, crisis and it's held its value and it's just increasing usership and increasing, uh, you know, exposure, you say, wow. And it's the base of all the things that I'm about to mention, which is in the DeFi space, which is an excellent space to get freedom from, right? Going to the bank to wire money, paying these fees, the whole banking scam that you can't avoid, right? You want to do a lot of things, they make you go through a bank, right? And some things they don't make you go through a bank, but there's no other viable options. And that's what the DeFi space is doing. So I'm just going to talk about three of the biggest ones. So what what is DeFi, uh, first of all? It's decentralized finance. I've talked about decentralization here at The Truth Hurts. And to just keep it as simple as possible, centralization would be like Equifax, right? So it's a place that has all of this information. It takes care of our credit reports, right? But it's stored on probably... Uh, one company server database, right? And if they're hacked or something, or if they somebody steals it inside, you're susceptible to it. Decentralized is just basically what it says. It's just no central authority. So whether it's a protocol, app, whatever, it's built with its uh, regulatory and corrective processes uh, built into the uh, protocol. So example, uh, let me give a better example. Uh, let's say DoorDash. DoorDash would be centralized, right? Centralized company, DoorDash, handles the process between the, the, the restaurant, the driver, right, and the customer. 
a decentralized DoorDash would be the same thing, an app you open up, but nobody would own it, right? And it would, you know, you just sign up with through the protocol, however way to verify everything, and then what would happen would be all three parties would use it with no specific person owning it. It would just be, hey, cu- customer places a $20 order, the order with tax and everything is $25, the driver goes to pick up the order, they get, let's say, $5, the uh, the uh, restaurant gets the twenty dollars. Those things go directly to them, and then they bring the the customer to order, and they all rate each other. Decentralized, where nobody would own things, so that extra twenty thirty percent that DoorDash is taking just wouldn't exist. So it's simplifying something things like DoorDash, <clears throat> things that you don't really 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 need this third party if you can just tighten up a couple of those holes where they come in, you know? Um, and the main thing you would sacrifice there is customer service, but let's be real, most customer service at these places suck anyway. But that's basically decentralized. And the point is, a lot of points, but the main point is safety, right? So all the stuff is not at one place. So if people wanna hack Ethereum network and Bitcoin, and you pretty much have to shut down multiple machines simultaneously all over. And that's possible, but it's, like I said, it's much it's much easier for a hacker to 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 tone up on their skills, focus in on some sort of company, and then penetrate their system and steal from them. And that's why it happens all the time. It actually happens a lot of times. So decentralization, it's the core part of where the world is going. Because through decentralization, people are creating and can create all of the things that you've thought about. You and I and all people that think can create these things and cannot be stopped. So an example is like uh, the dApps, right? That's the uh, decentralized applications that's on the Ethereum network. So uh, in a nutshell, just think of it like a Bitcoin or something, but it's on another network. It runs using Ethereum, uh, Ether, basically. Ethereum is just a network. So people, it's a little confusing, but case in point, something like uh, those dApps, you know, the government can always, I guess, shut anything or just say something's illegal, but they don't control it. Nobody controls it. And that's the point. So it can't be shut down. When you make a, a DAP, it's permanent. You go, you can't basically, um, like one authority can't say, oh, this or that and just shut it down. So that's a big part. It's safer from people making their stupid decisions. And it's also safer from hackers and people like that. And it stops a lot of manipulation and abuse and people that want to keep the black and white paradigm and not the gray area and the progress. So where things are going is decentralization. So first company I want to tell you guys about is something called Uniswap, which is basically with cryptocurrencies, you can just swap them. Any cryptocurrency that's on there, you can swap it for the cryptocurrency you have for a very small fee, very small fee. And you can also create liquidity, which is basically you buying two cryptos. And when people do the swaps, you're basically creating the liquidity, creating the pool of cryptos, right? And when they trade, you get a percentage, a small percentage, whatever your percentage of the total pool is, you get that pool in your payout. So if something was X dollars or in X Ethereum, whatever, you get your percent. If you own 1% of the pool, you would get 1% of the money. So something like this is big, right? This is a profit opportunity as a liquidity provider in a market that's growing and could become huge. It's already doing amazing things in its early stages. It could become huge. It could become 
50 billion, 100 billion, 500 billion dollars people in this and you can be a liquidity provider if you get in well you could probably get in later too but call everything's going to change as time goes on so these type of things you have to foresee it and don't just uh kind of brush it off as hogwash you have to identify what's real and what's not what companies are going to last what's not that's always the risk in it but ultimately see where the world is going so uniswap what are we doing we're swapping cryptocurrencies what is some of the power of swapping a cryptocurrency in a platform basically moving money for cheaper, right? If, if if there's a network and we have something called a Beaky, right? So we got a Beaky's and you get these Abiki coins, but uh, you have a place to exchange the Abiki coins for dollars, right? Um, you can get on the network, send money to Africa, Europe, anywhere. But what you would do is you would just send your Abiki's, which transmit instantly right over the network and then the receiver takes the abikis and then makes the the transfer for a fiat which is basically what cryptocurrency is doing so you're 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 slowing the, excuse me you're speeding up the process and lowering the cost now i'm not going to get into every single company but i just want to tell you guys a couple up so you can get the idea of all right what is this decentralization these dapps different things um basically uh dollars pegged to cryptocurrency excuse me cryptocurrency that's pegged to the dollar meaning that you can hold your crypto in something like day or tethers that's basically always valued at a dollar so if you have a crypto you don't have to always take the risk you can trade in it for that the uniswap is a place that said you can go on and trade these cryptocurrencies freely so if you want to hold this one or that one or you think one's about to blow up you can make these things instantly you have sites that you can use these um all of these different uh DeFi applications decentralized finance applications and make three-way trades like kind of like arbitrage and it gets complicated i don't want to get too techie but i want to break down how decentralized finance and decentralization the blockchain it's going to take over every industry uh it's going to take over what you're going to see the blockchain uh for your voting you're going to see blockchain into stock market you're going to see blockchain controlling most uh ledger systems very soon companies you wouldn't like example you used to build your company 20 years ago with the web page in mind right now that's like a business card you're building mobile first right and then you have progressive web apps right one page single apps now you have uh even like these decentralized finance apps which is like so it's just getting more and more sophisticated uh and and you got to say if you're looking for what's going to blow up in the future where's the world going they're going to do these a lot more of this health bullshit. So you got to look at healthcare. Things are going to free up. So you got to look at things like marijuana and stuff like that, gambling. And then also you have to look at technology and where things are going, not where they are at. So in 2000, what I needed to see was the housing stuff happening because the, the dot com was already coming to an end. So I don't need to chase that. And this is what most people end up doing. You end up chasing what already happened. So the only way you're going to see these things, though, is see it clear, obviously, to do research and be informed. But ultimately, you have to see the gray area. You have to see that things are risky, but it's a little bit of risk. It's a little bit of opportunity. You have to get your mind out of picking one side and look at and study the whole picture. Because the better you do this, the better you'll be able to spot those opportunities. And it's not just to get rich or whatever. It's to get, you know, take advantage of opportunities and position yourself like for a lot of like if you're building a company right now from you're a startup and you're like you're literally building your infrastructure you may want to look at building it 
on the Ethereum platform or something like you may as opposed as opposed to a website or a progressive web app. That may be something you want to consider. You may want to consider integrating cryptocurrencies inside of how you move things around internally, smart contracts, right? These things, these are, are, are terms that, as I say them now to some people, they're very foreign, but just like uh, cookies, right? <laughs> it was not something people might've known 20, 30 years ago on a computer. Hey, everybody pretty much knows cookies now, right? So web browsers and all our little uh, internet and computer terms that are now household names were once abstract. So guys, the future is going to entail what the future is going to need. So people are staying home. It's going to be a lot of uh, technology with this Internet of Things, a lot of communication. Right. We're going to have networks. Right. These networks are going to be big and huge data management. Right. Look where the world is going. And then whatever you're building, whether it's your own little personal uh, wealth plan or company, keep it with that in mind and keep it in the gray area in mind that it's not black it's not white the the real truth lies in the gray area truth hurts hello everybody thanks for listening to the podcast uh we really appreciate it here i just want to set an email address for you guys in case you want to get in contact with any comments suggestions feedback positive or negative Anything that's not gross or disrespectful is more than welcomed here at the podcast because we just want to push progress and think forward. That email address is podcast at gmail.com. Once again, podcast at gmail.com. Once again, that's podcast at gmail.com. Basically, it's the truth hurts, but lies kills. Uh, podcast and it's just abbreviated so the whole title of the podcast is abbreviated uh, put into six different letters followed by the word podcast as one long word right tthblk podcast at gmail.com please get in contact don't hesitate anything you can think of suggestions other podcasts anything that you feel is relevant trust me we will look at it we will engage and uh, we will push the agenda forward thanks a lot guys